have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped. But he emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on the cross. This is a People of War podcast. Enjoy. It's a blessing and a privilege to see all your beautiful and shining faces on today as we have all come together to See what the Father says as we celebrate fathers, some of us. Uh, we know that Father's Day isn't the most popular day, but fathers, happy Father's Day. If nobody else tells you, happy Father's Day from uh, me to you. You know, it's, it's hard being a dad. All the, all the restaurants will be empty today. <laughs> So you'll be able to eat wherever it is that you want to eat today. Uh, so last week, uh, we began a sermon series called Strong Courage Over Fear. Strong Courage Over Fear. And we're going to be uh, in the book of Joshua uh, as we look through at this sermon series, as we uh, trek through the word with God. And last week, we examined the changing of leadership. What we have is Moses was the leader of the Israelites at one point in time. And then we have the changing of the tie from Moses to Joshua. And so in chapter one, we see Yahweh God having a conversation with Joshua. And he's, he's conversing with him, letting him know that he only needs to do two things. He needs to become strong and he needs to become courageous. And in God, he, he needs for him to be consistent when faced with mighty tasks. And he doesn't want him to fall apart into pieces when things get hard. And so uh, we find that in order to be strong and courageous, one must not waver in observing and being obedient to the will of God. Yahweh God tells uh, Joshua, if you want to be strong and courageous, you will obey my word. Don't go to the left. Don't go to the right. Be strictly obedient to my word. That's how we can be strong and courageous. And, and, and as we preach, or as I preached the message last week, uh, we were, we were so strong and courageous as we, as we talked about what we talked about. Uh, not so much, um, but, uh, <laughs> what you'll see in Joshua is that Yahweh is going to provide his tools as a warrior God in the book of Joshua. As we read through Joshua, Yahweh God is going to lead his people in spite of themselves. You see, Yahweh is going to provide for them things in which they cannot do. He is going to also bring to fruition the promise that he made to Abraham all the way back in Genesis chapter 12. And so we see God is going to, in essence, go against the gods of the land in which they are inhabiting. God is going to go into the land. And he's going to tell the people and show the people who are inhabiting that land. God is going to tell them, I've allowed you to live in this land for a time. But God is the landlord. And God said, your lease is up. 
He says, my people need their land. And so he's come to counsel out the leases and give back to his people. And so that's where we find ourselves today in Joshua chapter two with the lesson title. If you're a note taker, the lesson for this morning is titled Windows and Walls, Windows and Walls. Joshua chapter two is where we're going to have our hearts on this morning. Joshua chapter two. Say amen if you're there. Say, hold on if you're still turning. It's in the Old Testament. Don't be afraid to use your table of contents. It's fine. All right. Joshua chapter two. I'm going to be reading from the ESV version. The Bible says, and Joshua, the son of Nun, sent two men secretly from Shittim as spies saying, go view the land, especially Jericho. And they went and, and came into the house of a prostitute whose name was Rahab and lodged there. And it was told to the king of Jericho, behold, men of Israel have come here tonight to search out the land. Then the king of Jericho sent to Rahab saying, bring out the men who have come to you, who entered your house, for they have come to search out all the land. But the woman had taken the two men and hidden them. And she said, true, the men came to me, but I did not know where they were from. And when the gate was about to be closed at dark, the men went out. I do not know where the men went. Now, that's a bold faced lie there. We know that. We'll talk about that in a second. Uh, Pursue them quickly for you will overtake them. But she had brought them up to the roof and hid them with the stalks of flax that she had laid in order on the roof. So the men pursued after them on the way to the Jordan as far as the forest. And the gate was shut as soon as the pursuers had gone out. Before the men lay down, she came up to them on the roof and said to the men, I know. Can we say I know? I know that the Lord has given you the land. And that the fear of you has fallen upon us. And that all the inhabitants of the land melt away before you. For we have heard how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea before you when you came out of Egypt. And what you did to the two kings of the Amorites who were beyond the Jordan, to Sihon and Og, whom you devoted to destruction. And as soon as we heard it, our hearts melted. And there was no spirit left in in any man because of you. For the Lord your God, he is God in the heavens above and on the earth beneath. Now then, please swear to me by the Lord that as I have dealt kindly with you, you also will deal kindly with my father's house. And give me a sure sign that you will save alive my father and mother my brothers and sisters and all who belong to them and deliver our lives from death. And the men said to her, our life for yours, even to death. If you do not tell this business of ours, then when the Lord gives us the land, we will deal kindly and faithfully with you. Then she let them down by a rope through the window. Can we say window? For a house was built into the city wall. So that she lived in the wall. And she said to them, go into the hills 
or the pursuers will encounter you and hide there three days until the pursuers have returned. Then afterward, you may go your way. The men said to her, we will be guiltless with respect to this oath of yours that you have made us swear. Behold, when we come into the land, you shall tie this scarlet cord. We say scarlet cord. We'll tie this scarlet cord in the window through which you let us down and you shall gather into your house your father, mother, brothers and all your household and all your father's household. Then if anyone goes out of the doors of your house into the street, his blood shall be on his own head and we shall be guiltless. But if a land is but if a hand is laid on anyone who is with you in the house, his blood shall be on our head. But if you tell this business of ours, then we shall be guiltless with respect to your oath that you have made us swear. And he said, according to your word, so be. And she sent them away and they departed. And she tied the scarlet cord in the window. They departed and went into the hills and remained there three days until the pursuers returned. And the pursuers searched all along the way and found nothing. Then the two men returned. They came down from the hills and passed over and came to Joshua, the son of Nun. And they told him all that had happened. And they said to Joshua, truly, the Lord has given all the land into our hands. And also all the inhabitants of the land melt away because of us. We're going to start off for a moment looking at this text. We're going to look at it. Verses uh, 1 through 14 first. I titled this section Spies, Doubts, and a Brothel. Right? <laughs> I was going to name it the same thing as Dolly Parton's uh, movie, but uh, I decided we got kids in the house. I'll, I'll just call it a brothel. Uh, Spies, Doubts, and a Brothel. Um, and so Joshua, the son of Nun, sent two men secretly from Shittim as spies saying, Go, view the land. Go and view the land, especially Jericho. And uh, what we see here. Now, what we do not see here is a command from God. This is the thing, right? God just had a conversation with Joshua in chapter one, and he told Joshua, basically, you're invincible, man. All you have to do is be obedient to my will. No one can touch you. I'm going to give you the land. Whoever comes up against you, they're going to fail. Here Joshua is sending spies into a land that he was already told what he is. That's interesting, isn't it? This man who was just assured by Yahweh God that God is going to be with him. God is going to be for him. Is sending spies into the land. Now, we know where this where this uh, comes from. He's 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 thinking back to where he was in Numbers chapter 13 when Moses sent him along with 11 other people to go spy out the land. That was a command from God. then. But here Joshua is doubting, in essence, what God has said is already his. And so he says, I'm going to send two men. It doesn't seem like two men are going to be enough to go and spy the land, right? But he sends two spies and he says, I want you to go and view the land, especially Jericho. And they went and they came into the house of a prostitute. One second as we look at this. God, Joshua, Joshua, he must really need to help you. 
God, you must need the help of Joshua. So he sent two men to go spy out this land. I don't see much difference between this and Abraham and Sarah going in to say, you know what, God, it's taking a long time for you to send us this descendant. Abraham, why don't you go have a baby with my servant? In essence, he's going to help God do what God already said he's going to do, right? He sends these two spies into the land. And just as we always do, right, just as God always tells us to do, go into the place and go find the raunchiest place to hang out in. These two spies go into the land and they go to the house of a prostitute. Right? I didn't see anywhere in the text where Joshua says, hey, go hang out at this place. Now, it doesn't tell us that these men were immoral men, but they sure did choose a, a strange place to go and hide in, right? They go into Jericho. They're supposed to be spying out the land. They go to the house of a prostitute. And this prostitute goes by the name of Rahab. This is a woman of the night, right? And, and in this culture, women who did not have husbands, women who did not have children to take care of them after their husbands had died, a lot of them would go into this type of profession, right? This is how they took care of themselves. And so Rahab is, is this is Rahab's house, right? But this is also a place where people come to meet women of the night. That's a polite way to put it, right? Women of the night. <laughs> but this place here, this place here, it sounds a lot like Rahab may be the madam of sorts. She has a house where people come to meet prostitutes. And what we see in this, these two spies, they choose to go and lodge in a place where prostitutes are. And it was told to the king of Jericho, behold, Men of Israel have come here tonight to search out the land. So already we see in the text that somebody's been talking. And I don't know how visible it is. And I don't know what Canaanite people look like versus Israelite people. But they must have stuck out. Because as they go into the city, they notice there's Israelites here. And they're saying they've come to search out the land. They're doing some strange things, right? And then we look at verse number three. Then the king of Jericho sent to Rahab saying, bring out the men who have come to you. The king sends to this lady, this woman of the night, this prostitute, possibly madam of this prostitute ring. He sends people from where he is at the top of the social order of Jericho, the upper echelon of people in Jericho. And he sends them to the home of someone who would have been at the bottom of the barrel. Someone who is on the outskirts, both socially and literally, as we see that Rahab literally lives in the walls of town. The king sends people to Rahab's house and he tells them, I want you to tell her to bring out the men who have come to you, who entered your house, for they have come to search out the land. King being concerned with this low level citizen in this city and a small group of people in comparison to what they would have been. Verse number four, we'll go through the story. I'm just gonna I'm just gonna walk you through the story. But the but but the woman 
had taken the two men and she hid them. This is interesting. She takes the two men and she hid them. After the king hears that they were in the house of one of the outcasts of the city, she hid them. And she said, in response to these people who came and searched them out, it's true. The men did come to me. But I didn't know where they were from. And you ask yourself as you read this, what am I supposed to find valuable? Uh, what am I supposed to repeat? Uh, what character does Rahab show in this text? She has a terrible profession. She's doing things that are not right. And now she's just lying. God, are you? did you put this in Joshua to tell us that there's certain instances where we can lie? Let's continue to look at this. She says, true, the men came to me, but I did not know where they were from. And when the gate was about to close, to be closed at dark, the men went out. I do not know where the men went quickly for you overtake them. Go fast. Hurry. Get out of here so you can catch up with them. She's made up this story. She's talking to these people, telling them these false things. Right. It's like some of us told our dads this morning. Well, your belly doesn't stick out that much. How do I look, honey? (laughs) Pursue them quickly for you overtake them. But she had brought them up to the roof. She hit them on the roof of her home. Now, this this roof, how the homes were built in to take someone up on the roof. This is the place where you don't have your guests go. Right. Most of the bedrooms that have been up on the roof are up up towards the roof. But she takes them to the roof and she hides them under the stalks and flags. She hides them under this. And so after she tells the men this, the men go out of the city and they're chasing nothing. And they lock the gates as soon as they go out. And these two spies that Joshua, the doubter at this point in time, Joshua, the doubter, the two spies are safe that Joshua, the doubter, sit in. And what we see here is the providence of God. God provided for his people through someone who was devoted to harem. Now, what is harem? God had already said, as you read Deuteronomy, that the Canaanites need to be completely wiped out. The Canaanites need to be completely wiped out. I don't care who it is. If they're associated with the land of Canaan, they need to be wiped out. Now, those of us who are who are on TikTok and we are in Christian talk, right? Uh, you'll hear a lot that God was engaging in genocide. But that's not the case. God wasn't wiping out these people because they were Canaanites. He wasn't wiping them out because of who they were. He was wiping them out because of how they were. You see, they worshiped many gods and did not recognize Yahweh God. Their practices were inclusive of sacrificing and killing human beings. Some of their practices included putting infants inside of a metal bull and burning them alive to appease the gods. This was not something that God intended to be. God cares. Remember, we talked about it last week. God cares about life. 
And so as they're sacrificing to these false gods, as they're killing their own people, as they are engaging in fornication and all these different types of practices to appease gods who are not living or in existence. God says, I need for their influence to be out of here. And so when the two spies go into the land for all they know. This Canaanite woman who dwells in Jericho is devoted to harem. She was supposed to be obliterated, wiped out, killed. They were in direct opposition to the will of God here. God wanted them to be wiped out. Think back to the story of our our good old friend, Jonah. And as Jonah is told by God, I need you to go to the land of Nineveh. Those people who skin people alive, they pull their skin off as if they're pulling skin off a catfish. Some of y'all been fishing lately, clean catfish. All right. The Ninevites were known for pulling the skin off of human beings while they were still alive to torture them. And then Yahweh God tells Jonah, I want you to go to these people and tell them that I'm going to take them out and that they won't no longer live. And Jonah's looking behind them. Who, me? You want me to go to these people who terrorize people and pull their skin off and announce this to them? God, can't you just speak to them like you're speaking to me? Right? He goes in the opposite direction, right? Here we see something similar. And that these two spies... They're doing something in opposition to the will of God. And we know how the story of Jonah ends when he goes to the land to announce what he announces and says that if you don't repent, God is going to wipe you out. What do they do? They repented. And you even see in the book of Jonah that even the animals were repenting. They were saying, God, I'm sorry. And so. I want you to see in this text that God leaves room for himself to change his mind. All right. Are y'all seeing this? God leaves room for himself to change his mind. It does not matter who the person is, what the person has done, how they live presently. Because what God is about to do, he's about to use this lying person who is the bottom of the bottom in this social uh, city of Jericho. And he's about to use her to provide for his people. I don't want you to miss that, okay? Because this is what we have to have courage about this week. We have to have courage about the fact that we have biases. Each individual person here has a bias. We have biases that are built based on race. We have biases that are built based on gender. We have biases that are even built on age. Do we have the courage to admit that, though? It's the truth. I'll be honest with you. I I remember working in customer service, and when I worked at Geek Squad, sometimes I'd have to work the front counter instead of fixing computers. And I I would get very annoyed when older people would come up. I had a bias, y'all. I would get very annoyed because I said, After I'm done with this work, this older person is going to hand me a piece of paper that is not currency. And I do not know how to use the check machine. 
And that used to annoy me so much. I'm like, why don't you just bring cash in here or get a debit card? Right. But no, usually there's a lot of older people who deal in checks. It would it would make me upset. I had a bias. Right. And we got to be honest with ourselves. Sometimes we have biases. And so these two spies that Joshua sent. They obviously didn't have a bias because they were hanging out at the prostitute house. They were like, hey, man, it is what it is. Right. And hopefully they weren't there to party. The text doesn't tell us. All right. So verse number seven, we see that Um, in verse number eight, it says before the men lay down, she came up to them on the roof. She comes to them on the roof and she said to the men, I know that the Lord has given you the land. I need you to understand when you see all caps in the text here, this isn't just her saying, Lord, this is her saying Yahweh. This is the name of God that was given to Moses, that was given to his people. And so this Canaanite woman who lives in a land where she recognizes multiple gods, she says, I know the name of your God. I'm calling him by his proper name because I have something building within me. Look at what she says here. She says, I know that the Lord has given you the land and that the fear of you has fallen upon us. She said, we're scared because of your God. Yes, we are a mighty Canaanite nation. Yes, we are Jericho, but we heard about Yahweh God. We know about Baal. We know about Asherah. And we, we know about these other gods. There's some Tommy, but it sounds as if Yahweh God is consistent in what he does. Because she says, and, and that all the inhabitants of the land, they melt before you. They are afraid of you because of who you serve, because of who you obey, because of who you're obedient to, right? They melt before you. We're terrified. She says, for we have heard how the Lord, Yahweh, again, we heard how he dried up the water of the Red Sea. When we travel that way and we get to the Red Sea, we got we to gotta do something. We got to go around or we got to get something to go across it. But we heard how Yahweh got dried up the land. When you came out of Egypt, when you came out of a nation that was greater than our nation, we heard how he helped you come out of that. And what you did to the two kings of the Amorites when the Israelites were traveling along the way, they came to the Amorites and they came to Sihon. They came to Og and they said, we just want to get through. Can you can you help us out? And they didn't agree to it. And so God had to God had to act bad with them. Right. God had God had to get crunk, as we used to say. And God had to show them these are my people. They're trying to get to where they're going. She says, we heard about that. We heard about Sihon. We heard about Og. We heard about all the things that were devoted to destruction. We heard about those who were devoted to Herod. Those who God wiped out. We heard about it. And as soon as we heard it, our hearts melted and there was no spirit left in any man because of you. And I need you to understand this because sometimes we get things twisted in our mind. Sometimes we think that because we do great things, it's because of us. But they were afraid of the Israelites because of who they served. That's right. Amen. God is going to be a warrior God all through Joshua. I need you to see this. As they head into a land that is foreign, as they head into a place where there are a lot of things that are unknown, God is going to be a warrior God for his people. He's going to fight for them. And here's what's important. Look at what she says here. This last part of verse number 11. She says, he is, he is. Elohim in the heavens above and on the earth beneath. In the back of my mind, Rahab is saying there may be an Asherah. 
there may be a Baal or Baal, however you choose to pronounce it. All right, Texans say Baal because we, we used to eat blue Baal. All right, however you want to see it, Rahab is saying, I know that there are these other gods that exist, but your God, he doesn't just reign over the skies, he doesn't just reign over the crops. He doesn't just reign over fertility. Your God is God of all. He's God of the sky. He's God of the land below. He's God of all. She recognizes this. And so I want you to see what happens with Rahab. Rahab hears about Yahweh God. She believes. And there's a spark that happens where her faith begins. And even though she is on the lowest of the lowest in this society, God then says, I see your faith. I know that you're devoted to harem. Let me see what I can do with you. And if we're being honest with ourselves, with our biases and with our I'm better than you attitude at times. We got to stop writing people off. We got to stop writing people off. Well, that dude was just sleeping across the street from the church, which we see that a lot in this neighborhood. Well, that person, they, they just got out of jail. You see that a lot in this neighborhood. But can God still use them? The same mouth that was just professing lies is now professing godly, heavenly truths. And that's something worth noting here, y'all. That's something worth noting here. She says, for the Lord, your God. Now, she is convinced, but she isn't fully converted. She says, the Lord, your God. Right. I recognize that your God is supreme. I recognize that your God is sovereign. And so as we look at verse number 12, the Bible says, now then, please swear to me by the Lord Yahweh. Right. That as I have dealt kindly with you, you also will deal kindly with me. What she says here when she says kindly, she said, you have shown me Hebrew word. Hesed. You have shown me steadfastness. You have been consistent with me. Right. You have kept it above. That's a hundred. Right. All right. You were consistent with me. Be consistent with me. I've been consistent with you. Be steadfast with me. I've been steadfast with you. Be steadfast with me. She says, this is what I need you to do. Based on who your God is and what God does for you. I need you to protect my father's house. I know what happened in Egypt. I know what happened to Sihon. I know what happened to Og. I need for you to protect my father's house because I am a woman who lacks a husband. I am a woman who lacks children. Give me a sure sign. I need to know for a fact that you will what? what look at what she says in 13. You will save alive my father, my mother, my brothers and sisters, all who belong to them and deliver our lives from death. And so the responses of the two spies, this is what they said to her. Our life for yours, even to death. If you do not tell this business of ours, then when the Lord gives us the land, when uh, we will deal kindly and faithfully with you. They said, so if you keep your word, we'll keep our word. This is what they say. You be steadfast with us, we'll be steadfast with you. And so we see Joshua, the leader. This book is named after him. There's doubts about uh, what's going on with him. We see... uh, God's people dealing with people who aren't so holy. And we have to ask ourselves the question as Christians, as Christian witnesses in this world, when we go out into the world, where are our doubts at? 
when we go to someone who who isn't as holy as we think ourselves to be. When we look at people who don't look holy, when we look at people who don't act holy, when we look at people, we people that don't speak holy things. What kind of doubts creep into our mind based on our biases? And how do we view the world? Versus how we used to be in the world. You see, when we were in the world, we wanted people to have mercy and grace towards us. Can we give that when we go out of the world and into relationship with God? Now, we, we got a messed up mission that's created here by Joshua when he sends these spies into the land. Hey, Joshua's a human being. You know, he's a human being. Would it have been better to send 10 more people to spy out the land? Probably so. Would it have been better to say, hey, God, what do you think about this? Most definitely. But he just sends two guys into the land. These two guys happen to. Maybe this was the first house inside the gate. I don't know. But they go to the house of a prostitute. This prostitute, thankfully, has heard about God and God uses this woman who is immoral, who is a liar, to provide for his people. Now look at the second half of this. I look at this verse here, 2 Peter. 2 Peter 3, 8 through 9, it says, But do not overlook this one fact, beloved, that with the Lord one day is as a thousand years and a thousand years as one day. The Lord is not slow to fulfill his promises, or his promise as some count slowness, but is patient towards you, not wishing that any should perish, but that all should reach repentance. What we see here is that even though this woman is a Canaanite woman, God still wants her to be saved. God still wants her to come to repentance. So we got to take that into account as we go out into the world. The person that you see that you know in your heart 100% is not going to follow God, is not going to be obedient to God. How does God see them? Does God want them to come to repentance? Does God want them to change their mind? How does God see them? Well, they don't vote like I vote. How does God see them? They didn't work as hard as I work. How does God see them? Well, they're always. Well, I didn't go there. How does God see them? How does God see the people in which we have an unfair, unbiased attitude about? Does he want them to come to repentance? Will they come to that repentance by looking at you and how you treat them? And so we get to the meat of this of this chapter here, the windows and the walls, the windows and the walls. So as we look at this windows and walls, the Bible says in verse number 15, after she talks with them, after they assure her that he, that they are going to help her and protect her family. It says in the Bible that she let them down by a rope through the window for her house was built into the city wall so that she lived in the what? She lived in the wall. Now. Put on your Bible hats and remember back to VBS 100 years ago. And you sing those songs about Jericho. What does it say about Jericho? The walls came tumbling down. But here this woman is that's devoted to destruction that's supposed to be destroyed. Her family and her with her family. She lives literally in the wall that we know is going to fall down. But God is assured that she will be saved. Through the words of his people, God is going to protect this woman 
And we know that the walls are going to fall down. And I wish that I could have been there to see it. I wish that there was a sports center highlight reel back then. And somebody's just recording this. This this would have made the top 10. As you see the Israelite people marching around the wall and they're blowing those horns and the wall comes tumbling down. And here is Rahab's house in the wall. Everything else falls down and their house is safe. Wouldn't that been amazing to see? So she lets them down by a rope through the window for a house was built into the city wall. She lived in the wall that's going to fall in just a week time. Right. And she said to them, go into the hills or the pursuers will encounter you and hide there three days until the pursuers have returned. Then afterward, you may go your way. Now, as we look at this, um, we know that this is the providence of God. We know that God is using this woman, because if you go back to chapter one, verse number 10, you see that God has told them, has said to Joshua, you're going to go into Jericho in how many days? Three days. And this woman is randomly speaking, go into the mountains for three days and then go back. It's not random. This is the providence of God, church. This is the providence of God. This is God using this woman who is on the lowest of the low in this society for his purposes to protect his people. And so as we look at uh, verse uh, number 16, we see there. Hide three days until the pursuer have returned. Then afterward, you may go your way. Verse 17 says, the men said to her, we will be guiltless with respect to this oath of yours. She have made us swear. If you don't keep your part, we're not going to keep our part. We're going to be guilt free. Right. Verse 18 says, behold, when we come into this land, you shall tie this what? This scarlet cord in the window through which you let us down and you shall gather into your house, your father, your mother, your brothers and all your father's household. Then if anyone goes out the doors of your house into the street, his blood shall be on his own head. They said, basically, bring your family into your house. If they leave out of this house and we come, we're not responsible for that. If they're in the house, they're safe. If they're in the dwelling place that we have got people have said need to be there, they'll be safe. Right. And it says also, but if a hand is laid on anyone who is in, in the house with you, his blood shall be on our head. But if you tell this business of ours, then we shall be guiltless with respect to your oath and you that you have made with us. Now, I need you to see this. What does or what is she to put into the window? Scarlet cord. Right. Y'all remember that book with the scarlet letter? What is scarlet, basically? Red, you know, some people, some people like to get fancy and say, well, I'm wearing mauve. No, that's pink. Right. That's pink. And scarlet is red. Right. I need you to see this, though. Here we have a people who are generations away from leaving Egypt, who when they're in Egypt and God is doing his final thing within those with, while he's battling Egyptian God. God says, in order for your family and your household to be safe. I need you to take the blood of the lamb and put it over the doorpost. And what color is blood? This red blood shows that God will protect those who are within the house. Are y'all seeing this? Fast forward a little, little ways. The blood of Jesus Christ protects and has caused us to be in relationship with the Father, Yahweh God, in heaven. Rewind it back, just like you used to do with those blockbuster videos, right? Rewind it back. 
this red cord. They said, we want you to put this red cord in the window. Because it's going to be a sign that you're in this house, that we need to protect who is in this house. And as I'm studying, I'm looking at this and I'm like, this is strange. Because first off, they could have said, put this red rope in the window. But they said specifically, red cord. And in Hebrew, the word for cord is tikvah. Tikvah, right? And as I'm looking at this word, I'm doing a word study, and I'm like, there's got to be something to this. Why is this here? Why didn't she just say rope? Why didn't they just say rope? But they said red cord, tikvah. And as I'm doing my word study, y'all, the same word that they use for cord, tikvah, is the same word that they use for hope. Tikvah means both cord and hope. If you're obedient to what God's people has said and put this red tikva in your window, there's hope for you. There's hope for you. And we know what hope is. Hope is looking to the future, expecting God to do what he has done in his past. And here God's people who have seen and who have known what God can do for those who are obedient to him. Tell this woman who is on the lowest of the lowest within the society, if you hang this red tikvah, this red symbol of hope in your window, God will protect you. And it will be a sign to us that you have been obedient. And it's a sign to God that you have faith in his people. And so she hangs this scarlet cord. She's saying, I'll do this, right? Uh, but if you tell this business, we'll be guiltless. In verse 21, and she said, according to your word, so be it. She said, let it be so. We make this agreement together. It is what it is, y'all. Then she sent them away and they departed and she tied the what? She tied the scarlet cord in the window. This is unorthodox. It's strange. And people will say, oh, well, that's weird that we got to do this in order for God to do that. We got to do this in order for God to do that. And we don't do that with anything else in our lives. For those of us who are struggling with many health deficiencies in our life, we will take a medication to help us with one thing while it causes 10 other side effects. But we won't question it. We we'll want our allergies to get better, but we'll take a pill that gives us dry mouth and achy back and itchy feet. Right? But we won't question it. But when it comes to God saying, I need for you to do more than just have faith. I need for you to repent and turn your life around and not live for yourself. I need for you to confess that my son, you pledge his allegiance to. I need for you to understand that even though it's not the water that cleanses, but it's grace by faith, which we have been saved. I need you to understand that my son's blood is in the water. And when you meet his blood in the water, but God, I got to get wet. We'll do all kinds of other things. When God asks us to do one on an orthodox thing, we start to question. She hangs up that red cord in that window. She tied it up. She probably used a double knot. And I'll make sure this don't fall down. Right? And they departed, the spies, they departed and they went into the hills and they remained there three days, it says. 
three days. Three days they're there. Until the pursuers returned. Those men who went out the gate, and they probably upset. She sent this on the wild goose tapes, right? Then the two men returned. They came down from the hills and they passed over and they came to Joshua, son of Nun, and they told him all that happened to them. They're going back to Joshua. And, and what's, what's, I don't know why we don't get this in the English, but this is what it literally says. At the beginning of the text, Joshua sends them to dig up some things, right? Literally dig up things to find some things. And this is says, this is what we found as they were dug up under flax on the roof, right? This is what we unearthed. And they told Joshua what happened to them. And they said to Joshua, truly, the Lord has given all the land into our hands. Look at this. Look at this, church. Truly, the Lord has given all the land into our hands and also all the inhabitants, those Jericho people. And then I start thinking, y'all know my mind goes to strange places. What did they call themselves then? Were they Jerichoites? Right. Were they Jerichans? I don't know. Uh, truly, the Lord has given all the land into our hands and also the inhabitants of the land. Melt away because of us. The report that they give back to Joshua are the words of Rahab from chapter uh, from verses nine through eleven. The same words, the same mouth that spoke lies. The same woman who lived an unholy life has now inspired the people of God to not have fear. And to pursue forth or to go forth towards the mission of God. Her words motivate a young leader to do what needs to be done to further the kingdom of God. And so as we look at this sermon series of courage, our strength, strong courage over fear. Do we have strength to overcome our biases? Do we have the courage to say, I know that I think this about these type of people, but can I see what God sees? Can I see what God sees? Because it takes courage to have hope. It takes courage to have hope. I found this quote. I loved it. Hope looks for the good in people instead of instead of harping on the worst in them. Hope opens the doors where despair closes them. Hope discovers what can be done instead of grumbling about what cannot be done. Hope draws its power from a deep trust in God and the basic goodness of mankind. Hope, it lights a candle instead of cursing the darkness. Hope regards problems, small or large, as opportunities. Hope cherishes no illusions, nor does it yield to cynicism. Hope does some mighty powerful things. And here we have a woman, Rahab, who is a prostitute, who lives an immoral life, who is seen as the lowest of both among her people, who is seen as being on the bottom of the totem pole in her society. She hears about God. And thus hope begins. She has faith in him. Do we have the courage to admit that we have these certain biases, though, that God does not have biases based on race, gender, age? Do we have the hope that is rested in God that we see what is unseen? Can we see a warrior shepherd, a warrior and a shepherd like God saw in David? Can we see an apostle and a murderer like God saw an apostle in Paul? Can we see even a royal lineage and a prostitute? I need you to understand 
that Rahab, the foreigner prostitute, goes on to be in the lineage of Jesus Christ. She is the mother-in-law to Ruth, who is also a foreigner. And I can just see her being related to Boaz as he's getting ready to bring in another foreigner into the family of God. Boaz being a Judite, as he brings into uh, the family another foreigner. And the people have to be saying among themselves, God is going to save us through Judah. How can we keep on bringing in foreign people? Well, it was never about race. It was never about that thing. It was always about faith. And Rahab showed faith when she heard about God. She may not have gotten there as quickly as you wanted her to get there. Because we look at people sometimes and we say, why are you not where you need to be? And why are you not where I am? All she needed to do was recognize that God was the God. In the beginning of her faith journey, she did not recognize Yahweh God as her God at the beginning, but she recognized that he was supreme. That he was sovereign. She did recognize that. And that's a start. Do we have the courage to be patient with people? Do we have the courage to allow people to grow into Christ? Do we have hope that is rested in God that sees the unseen where we can see a Christian in a you fill in the blank? With whatever bias you have towards other people. Can we see people that we know don't like us because of our skin? Can we look at people who are of other genders and say, you know what? I'm used to see women as being lower rated people in society, but I can see what God sees. Do we have a hope that's rested in God that sees what is unseen? Because I believe, I believe. That in order for us to have hope, it takes strength, it takes courage over fear. If you're not a Christian this morning, I want you to know that you live beneath your privilege. God has seen your life. All those things that you know about yourself, all those bad things you say about yourself within yourself, God heard them. But God still sees you. As being worthy of his love. And he wants to be in relationship with you. So much so. That he saw you. In this moment. In your sin. Before the foundation of the earth ever existed. And he said. I'm going to do something. So that I can be in relationship with you. And you. And you. And you. And you. And you. And you. He sent his son down here to this earth. From the majesty of heaven. He said, son, I want you to put on flesh. Son, I know that we don't exist in time right now. I know that we're outside of time, but I want you to enter the timeline. And I want you to understand that you're going to have a marvelous beginning, but you're going to have a terrible end. I want you to understand that right now you don't feel pain like they feel pain. But I want you to put on flesh and feel physical pain, feel emotional pain. And feel the feeling of deserting. Feel the feeling of being resented. Feel the feeling of betrayal. I want you to feel all those things for the sake of these fallible people who sent you to the cross in the first place. Do you believe that to be true? 
Are you willing to repent of your sins and say, I don't want to live for what I want to live for, but I'm turning my life towards Christ? Are you ready and willing to confess that Jesus Christ is the Son of God? When we do so, we pledge our allegiance to him. Are you willing to be baptized for the remission of your sins? The place where we meet the blood of Jesus. No, there's not literal blood in the water. But it is a condition. Just as you'll see as you continue to read through chapter 3 and I believe chapter 4. When God tells them to march around the walls of Jericho. It's not their feet that make the walls fall. It's not the trumpets that make the walls tremble. It's not even the cord that causes Rahab's house not to fall in on itself. But it's God. And because they obeyed the condition that they applied to their faith, God provided salvation. Will you be baptized for the remission of your sins? Will you put action with your faith? I invite you to do so as we sing the song of invitation. Softly and tenderly, Jesus is calling. We are the family of God. Striving to be everything we are. People love more. Ready to receive our King. Let's sing. Oh, oh, Christ our Lord. We are people of